Welcome to the My Stories Podcast Project, a series created for the NEA Big Read Grant in collaboration with the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library and the Library Foundation. NEA Big Read is a program of the National Endowment for the Arts in partnership with Arts Midwest. The novel There There by Tommy Orange and the West End Stories Project podcast are the inspirations behind exploring connections to the history of our neighborhoods through the oral tradition of storytelling. This is an interview with Elizabeth Brown, a longtime resident of Avondale, interviewed by Renee Roberson, Library Customer Advisor at CHPL Avondale Branch. Thanks for listening. Where were you born? I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, 1946. Are your parents from St. Louis? Well, no, my mother is from was from uh, Southampton, New York, uh, and my father is from St. Louis. Are you an only child, or do you have siblings? No, I have a, an older sister and a younger brother. So what was it like growing up in St. Louis? How long did you live there? Oh, um, well, I lived there till I was, I lived there till 1968 when I got married. But yeah, it was, um, I lived in a, a African-American neighborhood and went to, uh, uh, high school there, Sumner High School and, um, a black school. And, uh, so in those days, uh, um, we, we had almost all the sports that they that they had for people in at that age. I mean, in that year, um, we had tennis, we had volleyball, basketball, uh, all kinds of sports, and of course we had academics in our school, some of our high school. Yeah, it was great. So, what was your neighborhood like? Well, it's uh, kind of like Avondale. Mm-hmm. And uh, school was in uh, walking distance of my house, and we we walked to school every day, no matter what. If it was raining, snowing, wind blowing, I mean, we just we loved going to school. Me and my friends and I, uh, we loved going to school. There were no excuses on not going. Didn't even think about skipping class. So, uh, but it's it's much like the Avondale area area or Evanston and places like that here in Cincinnati. Okay, so it wasn't um, racially diverse at all? Uh, no, not really. Uh, that didn't come along till way after I left uh, in 1968 when I got married, came to Cincinnati. I came the year that there were the riots oh. in Avondale here. But oh. I, I, missed, I missed those because it was, I think it was before I got here. So I didn't know what really the city was like in the uh, African-American neighborhoods, you know, after all the... And so I know that you're of Native American heritage as well. So which one of them are also of Native heritage? My mother. Okay. So what tribe? Shinnecock. S-H-I-N-N-E-C-O-C-K. What was it like for you growing up also with having part of Native American heritage? Well, we didn't talk about it too much. Um, well, the tribe, the Shinnecock, uh, was uh, in, are in uh, New York, in uh, Southampton, New York, where my mother is from. 
my sister was born there, but then they came to St. Louis in about, uh, in about 1944, 1945. And then I was born here. I mean, I was born in uh, St. Louis. So, so we went back and forth with my mom and, um, but we, you know, we didn't talk too much about it. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember. Yeah, we, there wasn't a whole lot of that talk in St. Louis. We mostly was with my father's relatives because they all lived there. And my mom's relatives, my aunts and uncles, they lived in uh, Southampton. And some lived on the reservation, Shinnecock Reservation in Southampton, New York. So I didn't get a whole lot of uh, cultural experience with my heritage except the times when we would go and visit my uh, aunts and uncles out there. And then every year they had a powwow, which is, um, we had it on uh, Labor Day. And so it was a celebration of Native heritage. And uh, and uh, on the reservation, it was on uh, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So tribes from all around the country would come in and sing and dance and drum and sell their wares and there'd be food and there'd be all kinds of uh, things, you know, um, like, like the things like that. And so that's kind of where I got my, got the feeling of being a Native American. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it too much at home, but then as we got older, we did, we did pick it up and, and want to know more. Mm-hmm. So then you were mostly raised around your African-American family then. Yeah, yes. Yes, we were. Uh-huh. So what, what did you... What did you learn about your African-American heritage, I guess, especially coming from the 1940s and 1950s? Uh, well, I just it just felt like a normal uh, family to me. Uh, nothing. No one was a uh, uh, activist or anything like that. It, no, was a whole lot of that going on in our area in St. Louis in those days, in the 40s and the 50s. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, family and and school and, and jobs and things like that. So that's what we mainly focused on, our okay. family. So what kind of work did your parents do? Well, my father was, uh, he, let's see, he had a couple of different jobs. He, he was a milkman. He delivered milk uh, in the neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about that. Remember those days or not? Vaguely. <laughs> The Vaguely. milk truck would come by and, and drop off your milk in a, in a uh, glass bottle. He did that for a while, and then he uh, worked as a janitor in the high school. And he also sold um, Ebony and Jet magazines to different uh, people in the town in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And then my mother, my mother worked in uh, for the for the government. Um, she was like a not sure what you call it. She wasn't a secretary. She worked at the filing clerk, I think, in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So it was a government job. Okay. And uh, so, you know, we, we never, you don't talk too much about, well, we didn't talk a whole lot about what our folks were doing back then. Mm-hmm. But now I wish I had. Yeah. Well, <laughs> could you describe what a powwow was like back then? Oh, yeah. Powwow was, well, you had Native Americans coming from uh, different tribes coming from all over. And um, there were a few tribes that lived on the east end of 
the eastern part of of uh, the United States, like in New Hampshire and Massachusetts and places like that. And they would all come and they bring their um, their wares, they bring their foods, and and they would there would be um, a parade of what they call it. Um, well, every night they every night they would gather. And then during the day, they would have a parade of nations, and you, you come with your with your regalia, which is you know what you would wear, and you would march in, and then there would be dancing, mm-hmm. Native American dances like um, grass dance and ring dance, with the uh, women would do, and then different things like that, and then they would sell their their wares like uh, Native American. Um, bracelets and jewelry and rugs and clothes and things like that and then every night they would have a well, they'd have two programs a day they would have an afternoon session and a night session then you'd have some native people from other tribes that would um perform like there was a flute player that came the last few years i went and he he wrote music and he had out uh cds out <coughs> mm-hmm his name was Avril Bird, Avril Bird, and then there was a Mexican group that came up, and they they would do their Mexican dance, Mexican Indians, and they'd come up and dance, and so it was really great. I enjoyed it a lot, and they would be on the from uh, uh, Friday night till Sunday night. Did you feel accepted right. by your your Native American family? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or yeah. say, say Chinnacock family. So then, yeah, they all. Go ahead. So was your, your was your mother um, full Chinnacock or was she part Chinnacock? Yeah, as, as far as I know, she was full, and the rest of the, her sisters and brothers were too. I don't have any uh, specific. Uh, we don't have DNA. We didn't have a DNA test or anything like that. But you know, all along my life, I knew them as Native Americans, and uh, yeah, we were accepted by them so then how did she meet your father oh okay so my father was in the coast guard and uh he was stationed up in uh southampton area um, by the uh he was yeah by the water up there atlantic and the um shinnecock basin and so he would come in and the, uh they would be in the uso my and my mother and, and her sister would go and sort of be entertainers or help the troops and dance with them and stuff like that. So they met like that. I didn't have, and I'm still sorry that I didn't ask more questions, but that's what I think happened, that they met there. Then they'd go out, did they date, and they have fun. But anyway, they, they, uh, they got married, and my sister was born there in Southampton, and then they came to St. Louis. And that's where I was born. That's where we lived until I got married. Oh, okay. So my sister lives there and my brother lives there in St. Louis. Oh, they okay. So they're still there in St. They're Louis still now. There, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And so then you moved to, you, you met someone from St. Louis in... Cincinnati. Oh, you no, met... No. Well, he, <laughs> he was from St. Joseph, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then he got a job at P&G when he graduated and came to Cincinnati and uh, got married here and then. Okay. So when you moved to Cincinnati, where, what was the first place y'all lived? 
We lived in Park Tower. It's in Walnut Hills. It's um, oh, used to be used to be by Bethesda Hospital, and um, we lived in there for a year. I went to school, a nursing school at Bethesda, and uh, a year after I started there, then then we moved to uh, my Henry got a uh, position with PNG in Brussels, Belgium. So we moved to Brussels, Belgium for. 13 months and he worked and I was a housewife and <laughs> trying to learn some French and trying to learn how to cook <laughs> mm-hmm. and then um, so a year or so late we came back here to Cincinnati what was it like living so, in Brussels oh it was wonderful I learned some French and uh, it was a wonderful experience what was it like being African-American living in Brussels during that time? <laughs> well, it was, I mean... Were there other African-Americans there or Africans there? There was some Africans there, but they didn't, we didn't talk much or or uh, meet up or anything like that. They, I didn't, didn't see any African-Americans, per se. No, but it didn't bother me. I mean, I was young enough not to... You know, not to get all hyped up about or worried about things like that. I just, mm-hmm. um, you know, tried to make sure we had food and because, you know, you can't, you don't know the language. So I was in the process of learning some French and how to uh, uh, buy food and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, it was a great experience. It really changed my life, uh, made me a world, a worldly person, I think. But that sounds exciting, though, to be to be a young black woman living abroad. I mean, you don't really. Uh-huh. Um, I guess these aren't the stories that we normally tell. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. Uh-huh. So to be a young black woman, and what is this? The sixties now? When you yeah. were there, early seventies, about nineteen seventy, nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and to be a young black woman living in Brussels and learning French. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, I never thought of it that way. I just knew that uh, that uh, we were going, and I, I went, and we made friends, and um, uh, we traveled. Because uh, was he one of the first African Americans to? He is African American, right? I uh-huh, assume. Yeah. Okay, so was he one of the first African Americans to work at PNG? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there were some others that were. Um, above him that were older mm-hmm. um but he was one of the uh, some not he wasn't the first no he was but it was in that group of uh, men that came there but it's been great i mean we've had so many adventures and so many um places been to many places it's, it's great and we adopted a son back in uh, uh 1995 something like yeah 1995 he's 40 something now so he lives in phoenix so we don't see him too much but yeah we've we've had a son and when y'all left brussels y'all came uh, back to cincinnati or did you go someplace else no we came here we came back here and then where did where did you move to then we lived on um clifton colony because in Clifton, because it was close to when I didn't, I didn't drive uh, yet. So, and I was working at a Good Sam Hospital in a rehab department as a 
an age. Well, I went to start it back to school for, to be an RN. So we lived in Clifton Colony in a small apartment where I could walk to work, and then Henry would pick me up after work. And uh, and then we, after that, we bought a house in Paddock Hills. Oh, okay. And then we decided to buy some property in Sims Township. So we wound up going to Sims Township and build a house out there. And then eventually, after a few years, we came back here to Cincinnati, to Avondale. So there was it was an older community, Paddock Hills. So when we came back, then we moved to... Uh, Built a house in Sims Township when there was nobody out there. I mean, there was uh, farmland out there where we where we built a house. But then a couple of years later, when the house was built, everybody decided to come out there to buy property and everything. So then we decided to come back to Avondale area. So how long did you live in Sims then? Oh, let's see. About 10 years. Was must, our son went to kindergarten. Uh, well, he went to the new school, which is a was a is a Montessori school here in North Avondale. So we moved back, and that's where he went to school. Then he went to um, uh, Walnut Hills. So then, what made you choose Avondale out of the neighborhoods to move into? Well, uh, it just seems like uh, well, everything everything we did. Well, well. I worked at the Walnut Hills um, YMCA, which was close. I mean, Henry started out living in Madisonville when he was uh, here by himself before I came. And then we just kind of moved until we found what we liked and what neighborhood we wanted. And Avondale was close to everything. It was close to schools, close to work, um, close to, you know, there are a lot of uh, our friends lived here. So it was just convenient and nice, and um, the people lived here, and the black folks lived here too. So that that was something too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoyed being with the people and walking to everywhere and riding my bike and running because I used to run. So yeah, it was a really um, nice uh, area, and I liked it. We liked it a lot. So we really are involved in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, Henry was on the board of uh, neighborhood boards, and we still, he's still on. He does a lot more than I do for the community. I mean, he's on he's on the uh, part of the community where they plan things and do things for the neighborhood. So yeah. he does that, and I kind of go along with him. So how long have, how long would you say you've lived in Avondale? Fifteen years or so, yeah. but we've always kind of been in the neighborhood. You know, here and there. So, what do you think of the changes that's been going on in the Avondale neighborhood since you've lived in Avondale? Yeah, I think they're wonderful. I think uh, the Avondale uh, Town Center looks pretty is promising. Uh, it's got slow starts. Look, it uh, kind of needs to get up off the ground, and the housing is is good because we've seen some new. Houses going up in, uh, we live on Shellsworth and just some new, newly built houses in the area. The, they're going to do some renovating of the the family dollar store area. I think that might be uh, 
we're looking at that to see what can be done. Mm-hmm. I think they closed that family down. There's a lot of uh, crime and stuff going on up down that corner. And we actually lived on that street on Hutchins for two years. So every day I walked, when I did a lot of walking, uh, back and forth, walked walk to the library. and um, <clears throat> So there was a lot going on with the folks, with the people. And uh, so they didn't, they didn't make the neighborhood look very well, very good. Mm-hmm. But they're slowly, uh, slowly picking up and getting to be better. You know, uh, I think things, are, from my point of view, things are better. It looks better. The, the town looks better, the streets. Now that they put the um, speed humps there, it'll be a lot safer, I'm sure. What do you think are the misconceptions of the Avondale community? Well, uh, I think people don't think there's anything here. There's any, we really don't have a whole lot. There's not a lot of business. And uh, we try to change change the perception because community involvement in what's going on in the neighborhoods trying to give people things to do so and then we're part of the Avondale Running Club and he's president (laughs) and I'm the volunteer coordinator so uh, we do we have fundraisers and 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 we do things throughout the neighborhood we try to get the kids involved in the the walking and running and volunteering aspect of the Avondale Running Club and uh, I I proudly say Avondale because I know it's good it's turning out to be a really good place to be. We're close to everything, close to Xavier University, we're close to UC, um, parks are all over. Do you think that people, like if you tell people that you live in Avondale, are they surprised? Because you're educated, your husband's educated, um, you're both well-traveled. Um, uh-huh. you. When people yeah, and, think of Avondale, they don't think uh-huh. of of someone like you and your husband making the neighborhood their home. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, none of our friends live here in Avondale. We've got friends that live in Bond Hill or Silverton or um, just Clifton, but nobody lives right here in on the streets of Avondale. And I, I'm always encouraging people. They complain about the name. I say, well, why don't you move? <laughs> move down here to uh, Avondale. So, uh, you know, you could, this property and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I don't, it doesn't bother me. They, people don't question our being here. Um, there are a lot of people on our street that are professionals. There's the lawyers and doctors and people like that around that, uh, I don't know a whole lot about the people. They're very quiet. It's a very quiet community over here. Um, <clears throat> but I, it doesn't bother me that I talk to them about what it's like over here. It's quiet. It's close. It's people are friendly. I mean, some people smiling at you as you're walking up the street. I speak to everybody, and there's all kinds of different people that walk around in the neighborhood with their dogs and their kids and things like that. Well, you know, they uh, all uh, as you go along, people would say, "Well, the, uh, well, where are all the Indians?" 
but the, but uh, you know, people think of Indians what they see on TV, and um, well, there's some some like that. But you you think, look at somebody, and you don't think that they're a Native American because they don't have the quote look of of a Native American. What does that look like? Um, but I always knew knew that I was a Native American because my mother we we went there and we we went to powwow and we went to the, Long Island we went to the ocean and we we were in you know I know the people so they're my cousins out there um, I had wanted to move there but we never got around to doing that uh, the opportunity was there and it was in a flash and it just went away for me to move to the reservation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so and instead we, we stayed here and, you know, see a lot of Indians everywhere, but, but we're out there. I heard recently that there's been like uh, a movement for reclaiming, for for people of different tribes reclaiming their food. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And their and, language. Yeah, and their language. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Well, I... Knew about when I started when I was growing up. There wasn't a lot going on on the reservation. There was a church and uh, a community center, but now there is uh, still the church and the, the uh, cemetery on the reservation. But now there's a uh, preschool. There's um, all kinds of activities for youth on the reservation. So it's just a lot more than it was when I was when I was growing up. And uh, it's a lot to do, and uh, they they have crafts, crafts where they teach you how to do beadwork and and things like that that are native to our tribe. And uh, so it, it's even got got a renaissance going on out there. In because uh, we didn't have a newsletter, we had a powwow book every year, and but now since the advent of the, since using the internet, there's all kinds of things about the Shinnecock family and what they're doing and what, what the community is doing for themselves, you know. They also were, gonna, were teaching the language. Uh, and this was something I wanted to do had I moved out that way, but uh, they have people who still can, can teach the language. It's growing. What are your hopes for the Avondale community? Well, I my hope is that uh, everybody has a place to live, and everybody has a job. Uh, I, I hope that the Avondale Town Center can can prosper. As soon as they get the grocery store going, um, that would be a, a big help for the neighborhood because there's nowhere to go, but. You have to travel to get to a place to buy food. So my hope is that uh, people can live comfortably and keep everything clean and, um, you know, work with the kids, school kids. We used to work with them uh, as the Avondale Running Club. The, The community is a large community, so it's a diverse community. But I think that's not the image that is often portrayed. That was one of the reasons why I also wanted to do this project because I want to change the perception of the neighborhood 
Um, not necessarily for people who don't live in the neighborhood, but for people who do live in the neighborhood. I want them to know that there's pride and and diversity and 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 hope that mm-hmm. that exists in Avondale. Yes, that's what we have to do. We have to tell everybody in uh Okay, well I think that's it for now. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And uh, thank you um, for letting me into your life and letting me ask questions and um, telling me your story. Yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a wonderful life. Thank you for listening to this interview for the My Stories Podcast Project. It is part of the NEA Big Read Grant presented by CHPL and the Library Foundation. NEA Big Read is a program of the National Endowment for the Arts in partnership with Arts Midwest. It was co-produced by Carla Muller and Steve France, CHPL videographer. Discover more podcasts at chpl.org slash podcasts.